Good stuff, good stuff. Well, who's ready to jump into the Word of God tonight? Good stuff. Well, hey, we are continuing in our sermon series of 1 Peter. We are going to be walking through 1 Peter for the next good while here. Uh, Just going verse by verse through 1 Peter and just um, uh, seeing what God has for us. Um, Tonight we will be in verse 8. That's where we're going to be at is starting in verse 8. And uh, we have made our way so far through verses 1 through 7, obviously. So Peter is speaking to us here in this letter that he has written to the church in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. Um, It is a letter that he intended to be written to all of the area churches. Then they would read it, they would copy it, and then pass it to smaller churches and different churches throughout the region. This is a letter that is being passed around around 62 AD, so it's about 30 years after the day of Pentecost. So you see already how much the churches has exploded and it's moved from Jerusalem and it's moved from Rome and it's moving all the way out into Asia and there's churches all over the place that are there in that region and Peter is writing to them. Peter declares in verse 1, I Peter in writing this, so he's saying it's me who wrote this and he calls himself an apostle. He does this to say, listen, I am an apostle. I am somebody who has the authority and somebody who has been called on and given the authority by Christ to share his words to you. So this is not just me writing to you, this is God speaking to you, and it's not just intended for uh, for them, but it's also intended for us that today, this is an authoritative word that is spoken to us as the church. This is an incredible letter that helps us to see what the role and the function of the church is and what God is wanting to do through your life and what he's wanting to do through the church. It's a letter that encourages us. It's a letter that instructs us. It's a letter that shows us how we are to live for Christ. Peter is writing to this in verses 1 through 7. He's speaking to us, and often in chapter 1, people look at chapter 1 and they say this is a letter that Peter is writing to them to encourage them in suffering and to help them just to be a little bit better and just to hold on because everything's going to be okay. And I, though there is truth to that, I think sometimes, especially when you look at when it was written, uh, sometimes we assume some historical things have happened that have not yet happened. And so a lot of times things that Nero did in Rome and all of that stuff, that stuff happens a little bit later after this letter. So this is to people who are living in Asia Minor. They're not in Jerusalem. They're not in Rome where the epicenter of the church is. They're living away from that. They're living apart from that. And so Peter's saying to them, listen, where you are is where God has you. And you should know that where you are, God is aware of all that you're going through. And he's aware of where you are because there's something unique that he's called you to do. So he's encouraging them and telling them, listen, you were chosen, you were known by God, you were loved by him. And as you see that and become aware of that, you should be aware of the fact that you are a foreigner, you are a sojourner. And that means a sense that your home is not earth, but your home is heaven. So your expectations, your dreams, the things that you work for, the things that you hope for, it's not earthly things, it's not earthly desires, it's heaven. It's to say that God is with me and that that everything that God has planned and everything that he has for me in the future and now, it is perfect and it's better than anything I could get from the people around me, from the people that I'm living with, the people that are in my job, the people that are above me. He's just so much better and I'm aware of that and I realize the place that I'm at, it's a place that God wants me to be for his purposes, not for my purposes. 
So you were chosen, you were known by God, and you are a foreigner. And in that, you should know that God has cared for you, and he's protected you, even just in verse 3, where he says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It's not about us. It's not about what we've done. It's not about what we can do. It's not about what job we have or what money we have. It's not about any of that. It's about God's mercy, that he is so rich in mercy, he's so rich in grace, that we have received salvation in Jesus Christ. And it has changed everything, that literally everything we know and see, it's radically different. So we have to view things differently. And so Peter continues on and encourages us because of this reality, we should have faith and that it's in our faith in him that God protects us. The word that's even there used here is that he guards us, that God is protecting us, that he, as we are chosen, as we are his, he's got a special interest in us, that he's got a special favor set upon us. That he's looking to us and he's protecting things from coming towards you that would harm you or take you away from him or discourage you in his love for him. That he's protecting you and in the sense that when he's sending you and calling you to go, that he's protecting you, that he's going before you, that you are safe. So he says then in verse 6, so be glad. So be glad, be full of joy, even though at some point there will be things that are difficult that you're going to face. Have joy that God has chosen you. Have joy that you are his child. Have joy that your life is for eternity. Have joy that it is yours, that God has protected you, that he is keeping you, that all that he's promised is true. It will always be true. It's not going to be taken away from you. You can have ultimate confidence in him, so be glad. Be exuberantly happy that you are his. No matter what happens. Man, that's good stuff, isn't it? So, that was just for all of you that hadn't been here. So you could hear verses 1 through 6. And then in verse 7, he says, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. What he's saying here is it's not that our faith is lacking, that if we go through a test or if we go through something, then we will prove ourselves to God. That's not what this is saying at all. What this is actually saying to us is that as we go through things, as we go through stuff, that we will reveal, it will reveal those circumstances, those trials, those things that we go through, those difficult moments, those hard relationships, as we go through those moments of discouragement. As we go through those moments of heartbreak, as we go through those moments of loss, as we go through those moments, that in that moment we will see God's faithfulness. In those times we will see God guarding us and protecting us. In those moments we will see that God is there and that we are his. And that in those places that even if the enemy meant harm for us or even if somebody was trying to beat us down or discourage us, that God worked it out for our good and his glory. And we see him greater. That we see him fuller so in those moments our faith will be strengthened in him it's not that it will be proven to him but it's his faithfulness will be proven to us and now we'll have that much more faith for the next battle we got to go through so the next time something comes up and we are having to face something that's difficult and hard that we don't look at it and say I don't know but we look at it and say I know what he's done and I can't wait to see what he's going to do next that there's a faith, that there's a boldness to say, God has me, and I am his, and he is mine, and I'm going to trust him wherever he's leading me. 
So Peter's saying, be glad, be joyous, be excited that it is this, these tests that you're going to go through that though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor. I love that, right? It will bring you much. Sometimes I forget that right there that it's you. Because you think about it, it it will bring you much praise and glory and honor. You know, God, even now in this world, and even in eternity, that God doesn't want you just walking around, just saying, oh, uh, this is me, this is who I am, right? Oh, yeah, Jesus loves me. He wants you walking around knowing that you are his daughter. He wants you walking around knowing that you're his princess. He wants the church to be bold and confident because we are his bride. That he loves us. And sometimes we so just, just passively wait for things to happen. God's saying stand up in humility and be servants, but walk in boldness and walk in confidence because you are God's child. He has chosen you and he loves you. He wants to put on you praise and glory and honor. He wants you to know that he loves you. He wants you to see that, be aware of it, and he wants it to shape every day, everything that you do. And on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Man, I love that. This is the day when Jesus is going to come back. And when he comes back, us who have had faith in him and believed in him, even as this world gets crazier and crazier, because let's be for real, the world's getting crazy, right? And as it gets crazier and crazier, and it's harder and harder to say Jesus is faithful. Jesus is real. Jesus is true. Jesus is Lord of all. As it gets harder and harder, as people look at us and think it's more and more ridiculous to say those things, the day that Jesus comes, we're going to be like, ha, ha, yes, yes, and our hearts are going to be full. We're going to be full. It's not that we're shaming or putting down, but we're going to know that all that we've hoped for, all that we trusted, it's just going to be like, boom, it's going to be an explosion, right? Man, it's so good. I even think about my relationship with, Mar- with Michelle, as good as it was as we were dating. Man, when she walked down that aisle and I turned around and I saw her for the first time. And I knew she was going to be my wife and I knew that our relationship was going to change forever. Man, there's something in me that just exploded and everything was different. It's a sense that we're right now in this moment. We're hoping, we're believing, we're trusting, we're having faith, we're trusting, we're walking. And Jesus says, go here. We're saying, yes, I want to go here. And yes, I want to trust you. And the moments he says, go here, and we say, no, I want to go here. And then we say, oh, shoot, I made a big mistake. He says, okay, I still love you. Let's go here. Okay. That in each of those moments, we're being made perfect, that we're being made right, that he's helping us to grow more and more like him. And the more that we do those things, the more that we walk in faith, the more that we walk in obedience, the more we see him and the more that we love him. And we're just going to continually fill up with love for him until the day that he comes. And then we're just going to be, ah, this is amazing. And then we're going to be in eternity and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be absolutely amazing. In verse eight, he says this, he says, you love him even though you have never seen him. The word for love there is agapeo, and it's this word, it's a sense that it's continually, it's regularly that you're always loving him, that you are not just, I loved him at one point, I was aware of my love for him when I was 13 at youth camp. It's not just like, yeah, my grandma prayed for me, and yeah, I remember there was that one time when I was five that I said, yes, I love Jesus. It's every day. You're aware of his love. Every day he's making you more aware of his love. Every day you're continually and regularly loving him more and more and more. You love him even though you have never seen him. 
Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. I love this because as he's speaking to him, he's trust them. It's this idea of trust that we rest, that we have a dependence upon Christ, that we love him every single day, that we love him continually, and that our trust in him is not a, I think he's got this, but it's, a, it's like every time I think about it and I read the word, it's like you just, you know, have you ever had your favorite recliner? You know, and you get home and you just know that thing's going to make you feel better, right? You get your favorite spot on the couch, like Michelle, she's claimed a whole couch to herself, like, we can't sit on it. It's her couch, you know. The kids aren't even allowed to get near it because she's like, you're going to stay in it. You're going to do something. You're gross. I don't want you on it. So it's her couch. And she knows, like, at the end of a day or something's going on, she's going to sit on that couch. And she's got her blanket. She's got her cup of coffee. And she's adorable to sitting over there. She's sick right now. Pray for her, right. Strep finally hit our home, right. But mm, anyways. So she's sitting there. I can even see her now. She's so cute, just wrapped up in her blanket. It's just your safe place. You just know. Right? No matter what's going on, oh, I'm good. That's the way Jesus is supposed to be for us, is that we trust him. So when we're going through things, we're facing stuff that we can just say, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know wait, how this is going to work out. I don't know what's going to take place, but I know he's got me. And I know when I trust him and I just surrender to him and I just rest in him, I just fall in him. I'm dependent upon him. He's going to reveal more of who he is. He's going to just show how stinking awesome he is. And I'm just going to fall that much more in love with him. Isn't that awesome? So you see, look, look, even though you don't know him, even though, you've never, or not, even though you've never seen him, though you don't see him now, you trust him. And you, have, you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. In John chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus says this. He says, blessed are those who do not see me and believe. I love the message translation. It puts it this way. Jesus said, so you believe because you've, never, because you've seen with your own eyes. Even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. Come on, right there, right? Even better blessings. Come on, we're walking in a day where there's better blessings. We think about it and we look back to the disciples. Man, what was it like to walk with Jesus? What was it like to eat with them? What was it like to like ride on a boat with them? It was scary. <laughs> if you read any of the stories, it was a little bit startling. But anyway, so... Jesus is awesome. He's amazing. And when we trust him and we love him now, even though we've never seen him, though it's just in our hearts we believe him to be real and we believe him to be present, that even more blessings are given to us. That even more, that there is more, as Jesus talks about in John chapter 10, that there is more life that he wants for us. I think sometimes we get so chipped on it and we get so messed up that it, we feel scared to say that God wants more for us. Do you really believe and do you feel that God wants more for you? I'm telling you, as, much, as great as your life might be right now, as good as things are right now, as happy as you might be, do you believe that God wants more for you? God wants you happier. God wants you protected. He wants you living this life full of joy. He wants you walking around confident with your head high that you are his and that he's got you. He wants you walking around knowing that no matter what you're going through, he's standing right there beside you as your king, as your guard, as your brother, protecting you, being there with you, guiding you, directing you. That's what he wants you to know. That's the life that he wants you to live. The reward in verse 9, the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Most modern translations, they break up verses 8 and 9. But in the Greek, it's not broken up. In the New American Standard Bible, it, I think it does it best 
and combining these as close as it can to in English. But it says this in the New American Standard Bible. It says, and though, this is verse 8 and 9, and though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome your faith, the salvation of your souls. I, when, I, when I think about this, the thing I can think about most is, is that, you know, a lot of times in our lives, especially people, we, we, we kind of uh, attach our personalities to our walk with Christ. And so there's things that we just kind of accept about ourselves or that are true about ourselves, and we attach those to our understanding of God or the way that we follow him and serve him. And, and one of the ways is this, is that a lot of times people say, you know, it's like, you know, hey, I'm just a, I'm a down-to-earth person. I don't get very excited very often. I'm just kind of cool, casual, just laid back. You know, and so we kind of attach that to our walk with God and to our following of Christ. But I, I can't help but think there's not a person that I've ever met that doesn't get excited about something. Right? I mean, there's not a person that I've met that, like, there's something that you just get crazy excited about. And maybe you're not like me. Like, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an emotional mess, and so, like, I cry at the drop of a hat. I laugh really loud, and I get a horrible laugh. Uh, every time I listen to myself on the videos, I'm like, gosh, why does anybody hang out with me? It's so bad. But I don't care, right? Like, I just, I just like, I'm full on. I get it, and, like, all that stuff. And I know some people, like, Michelle, she's more reserved. But there's still, even in moments, when there's something that you like, there's something that you're passionate about, there's something that you just, man, it just gets you, there's joy and excitement that builds up. Right? Everybody, you know what I'm talking about, right? And sometimes we just say, like, I, I just, nah, that's not me. And just, man, God wants you living this life so aware of his presence and so aware of who he is that you love him so much that every time you think about him, every time something happens that you're made aware that he's there with you, that you walk, that you just respond with joy, that you respond with, ah, he's here, he's good, he's got me. Like, I just think about my relationship with Michelle. Like, I, you know how I knew that she was the one? Because I knew she would say yes. Just kidding. I, I, I knew she was the one. I knew she was the one. Because when I wasn't with her, I thought about being with her. I knew she was the one because when I was going through stuff or doing something, I wanted her there with me if she wasn't there. Like, I wanted to be with her. And when she wasn't there, I was quick to call her. I was quick to be like, hey, guess what I just happened? Or guess what I just went through? I just had the best sandwich in the world, right? Or just like, hey, I just went through this situation with my boss. Or, hey, whatever it was, like, I wanted to share life with her, right? And it's just that sense. I mean, we had these ridiculous things. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's just, you know, I, I can't even think about the moment where I realized because I originally had uh, uh, one of our mutual best friends had told me that Michelle liked me. And I was like, oh, I would never date her. Um, I just wouldn't be interested because I don't think I could ever have a conversation with her. She doesn't seem like somebody that would just be able to talk, you know. And um, I like talking, so I don't think that would go over very well. And so a few weeks went by, and we had a lot of mutual friends, so we hung out together a lot and all that stuff. And one night we found ourselves at a movie theater. And we were getting ready to watch a movie. I have no clue what movie it was because we were focused on each other, not the movie, and ruined the movie for everybody else. And so, but we were there. We were sitting outside. We were sitting at a Sonic and uh, getting some tater tots before a movie. Come on, Sonic tater tots. Ugh. Man, they don't get a lot right, but they're tater tots and they're ice, right? Come on. They're tater tots and they're ice. Don't put them together, but those two things, man, they're awesome. So anyways, 
So we're there, and we're at Sonic, and we're, we're sitting there, and they had those concrete benches. We went to school in Florida, so it was, you know, always horribly hot outside, and they made everybody sit outside. And so we're sitting there on these concrete benches, and we're sitting there, and um, we're on the bench. Or I'm sitting there on the bench all by myself. And it was the funniest thing in the world. I don't even know how this happened. Like, I literally think God did this because, I mean, the physics of it doesn't make sense. So I'm sitting on one side of this concrete bench, and the rest of the bench is open. Michelle sits down. I mean, Michelle, she's not a, a big person. She's a petite little girl. She's even, you know, never mind, I'm going to say that. So anyway, so she was, she was, she was, she was, she was, she walked up, and she sat down next to me. And as she sat down next to me, the bench went, bloop. Like this. Like it just like flew up in the air and like I slid over and then we fell off and we just started laughing. Like it was the funniest thing in the world. I was like, I don't know. I, literally, I think God was just like, Jamie, you're an idiot. Woo! <laughs> you know? Like that's the only thing that makes sense because I mean, it's just what happened. And so we're sitting there and then all of a sudden we're, we're just laughing and we're cracking up and then all of a sudden we started talking and then we didn't stop talking and we're still talking 13 and a half years later. We talked all through the movie. We talked all those different stuff. And it was just one of those moments where I was just like, man, I just love this girl. I'm just so aware of her. And every single day, I love her more and more. Every single day. And it's these goofy little things that we would do. We'd run around and, like, we'd be at college and we'd always want to leave notes for each other. We'd leave stupid notes on our cars or in our dorm room doors or our mailboxes. Just dumb stuff, you know? Like, it doesn't even make sense, right? Just be like, I'd be like, I love you so much. I want to go steal an elephant from a zoo and ride on its back and scream from a megaphone that I love you to the whole city. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. But we would do everything we could to declare our love to each other because we just knew that we were made for each other. We knew that we were, I don't believe in that, so that was stupid. Why did I say that? But anyway, so I knew that we were right for each other. I knew that, that she was special, and I knew there was something incredible about our relationship. And whether I was with her or not, there was something inside of me that always believed in our love, that made me trust our love, that made me want to be around her. How much greater is his love for us? But Peter's saying to us, he's not walking through this so far to be like, hey, listen, life is going to be hard. People are going to hate you. Things are going to be difficult. Life's going to be miserable. Suck it up, buttercup, and just be ready. Like, that's not what he's saying. Like, Peter's saying, hey, listen, God loves you. God has chosen you. You, he knows you, he loves you, he set his unique love and favor on you. He's got a special affection and attention set on you that he's aware of the trajectory of your life and he's walking with you, he's keeping you, he's guarding you, he's there with you. Do you see how much he loves you? Do you see how much he cares for you? Listen, because of that, you have something he wants you to do in this world. There is something that God is gonna do through you just because he loves you and because you're with him and because of that people are not gonna like you when you say yes to God and you have faith and trust him and you say I know in this moment this is what I'm supposed to do I'm supposed to stand for truth I know in this moment I'm supposed to stand up for a person that everybody else is going against and I know there's going to be a cost with it but it's what he's asking me to do that people are not going to respond with that cheer and excitement for you when you stand for the things of God at all times. That when you stand for God and you say yes to the things that he's called you to with faith and boldness, that there is an enemy that will come against you. 
that there will be moments as you try to live your best and you try to say yes to Jesus every time you can, that you will accidentally, intentionally, inadvertently say yes to yourself instead of Jesus and find yourself in a big old mess. That in all of those things, if you see and know that God loves you, that he's got you, that he's protecting you, he will work all of those things. He will work in all of those things to bring you closer to him so that you will love him that much more. Peter's saying to us, listen, it's greater than gold. It's not like, it's, it's you know, like go through it and, yeah, this is awesome. Like, oh, yeah, look, I got a prize. No, it's not. Peter's not saying you're going through this to get some prize. You're going through all of this to become that much more aware that God is with you. That God loves you. It's not to get something. It's to be aware that you have him. That you have everything. Too often we look for a God who can make our circumstances perfect. When instead we should be realizing that we have a God who is perfect in all circumstances. That we have a God who is present in all circumstances. And Peter's saying, listen, this is who you are. This is the life that you have. This is the reality that you're facing. That God loves you. And you need to be so aware of it. You need to be so excited about it. That your relationship with him is greater than anything else. That your joy of being with him is greater than anything else. And it's greater than gold. I'm going to go through something. This is going to be hard. He's asking me to do something that I know it's going to cost me a lot. But that stuff, I'm not going to worry about it. So Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us to not worry about the things that we need or the things that we want. To not worry about that stuff. He'll take care of it. But what does he want us to do in verse 33? Seek his kingdom above what? All else. That we look to him and say, I treasure you and my relationship with you more than anything else. I want to be with you, and I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it means, because when I get closer to you, when I live this life in obedience to you, when I live this life trusting that you've got me and that I'm yours, when I live that way every single time, I don't find despair and discouragement. I don't find emptiness and hopelessness. But in those moments, I find joy. I find peace. I find you there every single time. Every single time. Because in Christ, now and for all eternity, you already have everything that he wants you to have. You're just working to realize it. You're just working to become aware of the power that you have in your life. The purpose that he's called you for. The victory that he's called you to walk through. The strength that he's called you to have. And you already have it. Walk with boldness and be aware of who he is and the things that he's doing in this life. And have this inexpressible joy that each and every day that as you follow him, Jesus is making himself known to you. And you are receiving, you're obtaining this reward of relationship. It's not that one day, one day... God will make himself real to you, that one day everything will be better. It's that right now, God will be present with you, that he will be making you better now, that you can know joy and peace now, that you can walk with an understanding, a belief, an expectation. As Peter says in verse 3, a great expectation that God is going to keep showing up time and time and time again, that right now on this planet, in this life, you will know more and more and more of God, that there will be more blessing, that there will be more joy, there will be more peace until one day you're with him forever and you've got it all. So walk with joy. 
walk with this inexpressible, I can't believe that I'm doing life with him. It's this sense that we're experiencing heaven before, before heaven, as Wayne Grudem puts it, that we experience now in fellowship with this unseen Christ, that we see him in faith, knowing that we will see him one day with our eyes. And it happens as we each day trust him and follow him. Last week, I encouraged encourage some of us that we go through life and we find ourselves in places of discouragement because we haven't seen God show up or we haven't seen something happen that we want to happen. And so we're discouraged, we're disappointed. And so in our discouragement and in our disappointment, inevitably, we start looking for things to not go well again. And we just get stuck in this cycle where we're just constantly discouraged and constantly discouraged. What I want us and what Peter's trying to say to us is to trust the one you're with, to trust and know that God is with you, that he's got you, that he's keeping you, that he's loving you. Trust him. Say yes to the things that he's called you to do. Say yes to the things that he's put in front of you. Yes, yes, yes. And God's saying, I want you to reach out to that neighbor. Yes. When all the rage is raising up inside of you, because of what your spouse just said. You say yes to love and sacrifice instead of justification of your feelings and attitude. When you've been saving up and saving up and saving up and you've got this money and you're getting ready to get something that you've been wanting for a while and I'm telling you, it's not, that's not a bad thing. Do it, right? Do it. But maybe sometimes you're in a place where you're sitting there and you hear of a need of a person you're in line at a grocery store and they can't pay for the groceries and their tab is $250. Have you ever noticed that? It seems like when people can't pay for the groceries, it's always $250. I don't know what that is. Have you seen that? Or not, you're going to, I'm telling you. So you go through and it's just like, I, I, I mean, I have it, but I don't have it. But I have it, but I like, Say yes. Say yes. And in those moments when you say yes and you trust him, in those moments when you say, I love him continually, and he's revealing himself now, he's showing himself to me to be faithful and good in all that I'm doing and all that I'm going through. When you say yes to him, when you're dependent upon him, when you trust him in those moments, he makes himself more and more aware to you. And guess what happens? You fall more and more in love with him. And you're emboldened to say yes and yes to bigger and bigger and bigger things. Peter's saying, that's the way you should live. Yes, there will be adversity. Yes, there will be things that come against you. But know that God has got you, that he loves you. Do you realize how big this is? Do you realize how big this is? That's why he goes on in verse 10 and he says this. He says, this salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about. When they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. It says it this way in the English Standard Version. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. He's saying, listen, all through the Old Testament, the prophets that we read in the Bible, that they were searching, they were inquiring, they were looking, they were actively engaged to find out the who that the Holy Spirit was talking about and the when that was going to happen. That they were just like, what is going on? This is awesome. This is amazing. This word that's inquired here, that it's not just a sense that they walked around and said, hey, so uh, I just prophesied about this Jesus guy or this God doing something about salvation, uh, what do you think? Like, it's not that. When we look at 
Hebrew writing, we look at Greek writing all throughout this un, the understanding of the word, not even just in scripture, but throughout different historical uh, Greek writings. And during that time period, the word inquired is, is that they would turn the house upside down. I mean, they looked everywhere. They looked in all things. They were all just going through, and it's like, what is going to happen, and when's it going to happen, and who is it that God is? I mean, there is a sense of excitement. You think about Jesus when he talks about the woman with the coin, when she loses her coin, and she gives up everything to find that one coin. Jesus is even in himself in those moments using those parables to remind us that's the way that we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live with the sense that the Old Testament prophets had and that we have, that Peter's trying to encourage us to realize and to obtain man this is awesome like this is something God's doing not something that I've made up this is something that God is I mean thousands and thousands of years since the beginning of time people have been hoping and expecting and the things that God has promised it's real now we're experiencing now we're walking in it now like be encouraged do you realize how big this is do you realize how massive this is in verse 11 he says they wondered what time or situation the spirit of christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about christ's suffering and his great glory afterward that word wonder there it's the same exact word for inquired that they looked that they were looking in their own time their own situations saying is is, is this for now is god working this out now is this is this what we should be expecting now or is it for another time is it and they're looking and they're inspecting and they're trying to figure it out and peter is telling them this he's reminding them in this verse that god has had a plan the whole time all the way in verses one and two he's making it clear you have to trust him because he's had a plan the whole time. And he's going back here. He's got a plan the whole time that people have been watching and waiting to see what God is doing. And he goes through and he's assuring them and encouraging them. It's amazing to see what Peter's doing here. That is even later on in 1 Peter chapter 2, he goes on in verses 22 through 24 and he starts to quote uh, Isaiah chapter 53. And so he's going back and saying, listen, all the way back thousands of years ago, even at his time, that people knew this. They were prophesying it. And look all that's come true. Look, all that's come true, be sure that you can trust this. Be sure that you can know that God loves you, that he's chosen you, that he loves you, that he's working out right now his plan of salvation in your life where you are in Asia Minor. Where you are in some town that I can't pronounce. Where you are at that time. Where you are right now in Williamsburg, Virginia. Where you are in Goochland, Virginia. Where you are in Hampton, Virginia. That God is working out right there in that place in this time. God is working out all the things that have been prophesied a long time ago. That you can have assurance and excitement that God, from the very beginning of time, has had a plan. You can trust him. You can believe in him. You can see the things that he's doing all throughout scripture. He's saying it's about Jesus. It is Jesus. It's for Jesus. It's through Jesus that he is going to come. He's going to live. And through his life, his death, and his resurrection, we will have hope. We will have joy. We will have have peace and one day one day in eternity we will have heaven we will have God's presence perfectly unaltered in front of us and have joy have joy have an unexpressible joy be aware of all that God is doing and he says this verse 12 he says they were told that their message was not for themselves but for you. It's a powerful thing right there. 
The Old Testament prophets, they were looking for it. They were anticipating it. They had full expectation that God was speaking through them. And what they were speaking, man, it was, it was something that just excited them. It was something they were just like, oh, this is the answer to everything. And they were told that the message was not for them, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preach in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching the things happen. One of the powerful things that this verse points out to us is that the servants, or that the prophets in this time, that they were serving us and not themselves. They were modeling and showing the life that we're supposed to live, that whatever is handed to us, that God is gonna work through it. That whatever is handed to us when we trust him, when we obey him, when we believe that he's working all things out, when we say yes to him, that when we serve him so that others can come to know him, that God cares for us and God does the miraculous in our lives. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, it says, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. They lived not knowing Jesus, not knowing the fullness of all that God was doing, but having a glimpse of it, having a glimpse of it. They lived their lives passionately. They gave their lives for what God was doing. He says it wasn't for them, but it was for you. And God's doing it now. Love this in Romans chapter 15, verse 4. It says, such things were written in scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scripture gives us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promise to be fulfilled. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. These things happen to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of age. As prophets, they served as servants. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 11, we see this, and we already talked about this, that the greatest among you must be a servant, that we are privileged as the recipients of the gospel, that we, like we should see, what Peter's trying to encourage us to see, he's not just like, hey, it's gonna be tough, just hang in there. He's saying like, do you realize who you are to God? Do you realize who you are to the creator of the universe? Like, do you realize how much he loves you? How aware of you he is? Like, what he has planned for you? What he wants to do through your life? Like, are you aware of it? Like, the Old Testament prophets, they were waiting. They looked at you with anticipation and excitement to see what God was going to do through this life. They're watching that the angels themselves are sitting up in heaven right now with a holy curiosity. They're watching. They're looking. They're saying, do you see what's going on? Do you see what's happening? Do you see the things that are taking place in this world right now? Do you see that God is with people? That God is there with them? That God is walking with them in their situations right now? And they see that situation. And they're like, and do you see what he's getting ready to do? Like, do you really see, like, all that he's going to do through that person? The world looks at that person like they're insignificant. When you stand up for the things that God's called you to stand up for, when you say yes to him, when you walk in faith and obedience to him, people will be like, seriously? They look at you like you're crazy. Like, yeah, I make it a priority to go to church once a week. For real? Like, isn't that an inconvenience? Like, seriously, you still do that? Like, in 2017, you go to church on a regular basis? 
They look at you like you're crazy. And I love what he's saying here. He said, angels, heaven. He says there's a great cloud witness that is sitting in heaven in Hebrews. So they're sitting with excitement and they're passionate and they're saying, do you see what God's doing? When you feel like your life is insignificant because of something that somebody's saying or somebody's trying to make you think of yourself, stop and remember that even the angels are eagerly watching what is happening in your life. That there's no circumstance you're going through. There's no reality that you're facing. There is no truth in this world other than the fact that God immensely loves you and your life is anything but insignificant. <laughs> that the heavens are marveling at what God is doing through your life. And it's powerful. It's powerful to think about. It's powerful to realize, to see all that is happening in our lives in this moment. So worship team comes up. Next week, we're going to jump into verses 13 and hopefully finish chapter 1. Peter encourages people on how they're to live for Christ, knowing these things. Knowing these things. Knowing that you are chosen. Knowing that your place on this planet is not by accident. Knowing where you are, it's not just some happenstance. You weren't just randomly placed there. But that God knows exactly where you are. God knows exactly what you're going through. And that in that place, you can trust him. You can have faith. And I'm telling you that you will find life, 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 life where you are right now when you say, I trust you. That it's not some small, insignificant thing to say yes to Jesus and to follow him. That it's a thing that has literally been anticipated, watched, and eagerly sought after for all of eternity. And God is working, and that he's working in your life. That he's working through your life, through your circumstances, through your situations, and that you, one day, you will look, even now, you will say, man, this is greater than I could ever imagine. It's greater than any gift that can be given to me. It's greater than any job promotion. It's greater than any bank account. It's greater than any, and you could fill in the blank, that Jesus is everything, and he's my only thing. So if you will, stand with me to your feet. As you stand, bow your head just for a moment. As you look at your life and you look at where you are in your relationship with God. Maybe here tonight you need to take the first step and you need to say, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life, that I need to trust him. I've heard of him. I've heard him talked about a lot. I've gone to church for a really long time. I believe in the existence of him, but I've never trusted him. I've never surrendered to him. I've never let it all go and just fell back into his arms and just said, you got me. When I go through hard moments and hard times, I don't think about how God's going to work this thing out for his glory. I think about how I can protect myself. And often in those moments, I run from God instead of to God. If that is you and that's your life, that's the pattern of your life, it will wear you out. It will exhaust you. It will break you. But through Jesus and in Jesus, you will find peace, rest, and joy. And tonight, if you need that relationship, tonight, if that's where you are, all heads bowed, eyes closed, say, Pastor Jamie, that's me. Pastor Jamie, you can raise your hand up real quick, put it down. We say, that's me. I need my relationship with Jesus. I need to trust in him. I want to say yes to him in this step. Anybody at all? 
for each and every one of us, heads bowed, eyes closed. Each and every one of us in here, if we're all saying, hey, I love Jesus, I'm following Jesus, I've trusted him. I pray that as we sing this song, as you walk out these doors, as you go into the rest of your evening, as you go into your Sunday morning, as you walk into your Monday morning, as you're going through your Tuesday night, I hope that you, in the smallest of ways, when you hear his Holy Spirit say, go here, say this, do this, stop that, don't go here, that you say yes. That you say yes, say I trust you. When you're seeing something that you're facing, you're like, it's going to be hard. I don't know what's going to happen when I take this step, but I know it's what God wants me to do. Say yes, say yes, say yes. Because God in that moment is wanting to reveal himself to you. He's wanting to reveal to you how good he is, how faithful he is, how rich he is, how merciful he is, how in love with you he is. Will you embrace it? Will you accept it? Because when you do, it's going to be a place where you're going to want more of him and nothing else. And I'm telling you, God's going to do big things in your life because he wants you to live a meaningful, purposed, and exciting, passionate life. He doesn't want you just existing. He wants you living full on for him. And it starts by us saying, I trust you right now. I trust you right now. To God, this moment that I'm getting ready to sing the song, it's not just singing a song so that we can end service. It's a song that I'm going to sing right now to you. That it's a conversation that you and I are having that you want to have with me. That you want to do something in me. That you want me to grow. You want me to experience more of you. God, I want everything you've got right now. Father, I pray for each and every person in this place. Father, I pray that you make us so aware of your love. You make us so aware of your grace. Father, I pray that not a single person could run hard enough and fast enough to get away from your grace. And I pray for anybody that's in here tonight, Lord, that they're fighting and they're resisting you. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will not allow them, that you will show your fierce love for them, that you will guard them, that you will protect them, that you will show them there's nowhere they can go, that you aren't already there, ready to love and accept and embrace them not for people that feel their life is insignificant in this moment show them Lord that it's anything but insignificant because the creator of the universe knows them loves them has chosen them and placed them in this world in this timeline for a purpose father that the heavens are anxiously waiting to see what you and your gospel will do when we say yes and we trust and we surrender and we run with faith. Father, give us that boldness. Give us the awareness of who you are. And may your Holy Spirit lead us. May your Holy Spirit strengthen us. May your Holy Spirit empower us and make us new. In Jesus' name, we love you and praise you. Amen. Amen.